Hello and welcome to another edition of the Moving Iron Podcast. This podcast is proudly provided by Axon, helping dealers move more iron for almost 100 years. Find out more at axontire.com. Axon was started almost 100 years ago out of a passion for keeping agriculture moving. It's that same passion that drives them today. With a vision for a better experience for both farmer and dealer, they set out to create a better way to move more iron. When you partner with Axon, you get immediate access to a full range of products and solutions designed to meet the complex needs of today's grower. Axon carries all major brands and sizes of tires, wheels, and tracks. From custom colors and sizes to fully customized wheels, you can have the solution for virtually any problem today's farmer is trying to solve. To find more or become an Axon dealer, please visit axontire.com. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find us here. Moving iron. Hello and welcome to Moving Iron Podcast. Marcus with Chip Nellinger. This edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Axon Tire. Helping dealers move more iron for the past 100 years. For more information, go to axontire.com. And TractorZoom delivering insights. If you're looking to track what's going on in the auction marketplace, check out TractorZoom. They have 500 independent auction agencies that report to them uh, what the auction results look like. It's a great place to see trend lines develop, and it's a great place to see what's going on in the auction marketplace. So if you're interested in doing that, go to TractorZoom, go to Iron Comps, and you will get a discount if you use moving iron at checkout so make sure you check that out chip is with blue reef agri marketing out of morton illinois and chip is nice enough to come on once a week to talk about what's going on in the marketplace and uh you know chip it looks like the weather market is is here and it's uh not going anywhere and the market is looking at some stuff and i shake my head at what they're doing but you know, when you got computers running the thing, there's an uh, algorithm, and that's that's what it spits out. So, you know, yesterday on Thursday, we had a big sell-off, uh, had a big run-up the day before. So, I guess, make some sense of what's going on in the marketplace right now, Chip. Yeah, well, I'll try. It's, uh, you could probably boil it down to what you said. It is uh, still a weather market, and, I mean, it's a long-running weather market now. <laughs> I was telling somebody the other day, I'm like, this is, usually you have a weather market, it's like, two three weeks and it's it's either a problem or it's it's not and you know i think you add on the fact that we've been trading weather in south america as well and you know we're multiple months into this but it really is getting to crunch time here for the crops in the united states particularly the western corn belt and uh obviously there's a high pressure uh, system set up over the northern plains it's got temperatures up uh you know two and and above 100 degrees that's going to be five six seven day occurrence and now the weather models are uh, kind of in disagreement here as to what happens as we get into August. And uh, one of the weather models yesterday, or at least in the overnight, um, uh, night before last, added a little bit of rain and moved the high pressure ridge to the southwest. So that would cool things back down and allow for some at least chances of rain in uh, some of the hottest, driest areas. The other weather model, however, stays pretty hot and pretty dry clear through the first uh, portion of, of August. So a lot of uncertainty there. And you mentioned the algos. You know, you wake up in the morning, these weather models, like the uh, European weather model runs twice a day, once in the overnight, once in the uh, uh, late afternoon. And uh, you wake up, you know, 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning, you look at beans, they're down 35, you know, corn's down 15. And these algos are programmed to 
um, as that weather model comes out, trade based on, you know, changes in that forecast. And it certainly did get um, a little bit wetter. But the problem is that, you know, you see a lot of back and forth as these weather models run and kind of resolve, you know, multiple days. They're, they're going out two plus weeks uh, on this forecast. So there is some variance in these models from run to run. And it just so happened yesterday that, uh, you know, the funds decided it's uh, it's going to weather's going to be perfect and the eastern hmm. corn belt's going to carry us. And we've got this big crop coming and, and sold it pretty hard. And the reality is, um, you know, it's less than certain out there. So we've got uh, everybody's in the western corn belt saying, hey, it's 105 degrees and beans are down 48 cents. What is going on here? But that's just the perceived day to day changes in, um, in in those forecasts, and it's not like they added, you know, crop saving rains to every state west of the Mississippi. I mean, it's just a slight better chance of rain and a little bit cooler. So that just goes to show you how these just tiny little changes in this forecast, which by the way, aren't always super accurate. Uh, just tiny little changes in those weather model runs can have pretty dramatic, uh, you know, volatility added to our market. So. The way I read it today, Friday, uh, you know, right now in the overnights, a little bit lower. I think that uh, there probably won't be much of. Uh, it doesn't matter, you know. I don't. I don't think it matters if corn's up twelve, down twelve today. I think what matters is you come in, uh, you know, Sunday night and Monday, and if those two week forecasts still have hot and dry weather, they're going to continue to add some weather premium. It's it's not like we've got. Uh, a lot of time left on the clock here. You know, we, we're, we're kind of running out of time and uh, it's getting to be critical time frame for these crops. Yeah. All right. Speaking of critical time for crop, crops, let's talk about the wheat market. What's going on there? All right. So we have, uh, you know, the wheat harvest is uh, in full bore, obviously. You know, as you go in my neck of the woods, it's moved up to to uh, northern Nebraska. A lot of custom cutters, uh, from what I understand, have are skipping over what they've got in Nebraska and heading straight up to Montana because of what they see happening with the, uh, the spring wheat crop up there. Um, obviously, with the drought situation that you have, there's going to be, uh, you know, the wheat's kind of finished out, so it's under uh, very much distress and, and, you know, it might be only a six or seven foot tall plant, but, or seven foot tall plant, six or seven inches tall. And as you, uh, you know, need to go get that cut for insurance reasons, what have you, but a lot of guys are, are, are moving that way right now and i guess that is a that's a massive problem up there um with the drought situation that we see there you see you know uh the french crop has uh got dipped again in in rating and you know you start looking at uh the russian uh wheat supply and in their exports and stuff like that so i guess you start compiling all this stuff on the top of wheat um looks like there could be some some pretty big moves in wheat over the next couple of weeks yeah, there could be, and and it's um, you hit the nail on the head. You, I mean, I think that's a good overview. The generally speaking, the the, the world stocks are shrinking. If you go back a couple of weeks to our uh, July crop report from the USDA, they surprisingly cut uh, our carryouts. Um, you know, more than expected, down towards the bottom end of expectations. You mentioned the the spring wheat problems in the Northern Plains, Canada, uh, Minneapolis wheat has had a little bit of a of a setback here. Uh, but it, it probably is just a setback in a further uh, bull market. It's up a little bit uh, pretty nicely here uh, on the highs, up five and a half now in the overnight. So um, the funds in general 
have been short wheat. Uh, not the Minneapolis. They're long the Minneapolis now, but Kansas City, Chicago wheat, they've been short. And now you're uh, throwing some friendly fundamentals on with the, you know shrinking wheat crops uh, in parts of Europe and Russia and, uh, and our spring wheat problems here in Canada. And uh, there's there's probably some ammunition for the funds to you know start building a long position. The good news is they came into this thing net short, and so they're you know probably now out of that short. They're probably now starting to build uh, some long positions, and, uh, and and things look good. And you know I think as you take the whole world, um, sometimes we get focused on corn and and wheat to a lesser extent. But, you know, there's a lot of other alternative competitive feed grains that are grown across the world. Uh, you know, barley, uh, uh, sorghum, uh, oats, uh, stuff like this. And, and this Canadian and Northern Plains drought uh, is going to decimate a lot of those crops, including spring wheat. And so it all just goes in the bucket of feed grains for the world, right? If, if we don't have wheat, we'll feed corn. If we're, you know, short on corn, we'll feed wheat. We'll feed oats. We'll feed barley. Um, and that's this total supply of feed grains is definitely uh, on its way lower, not higher. And so that doesn't mean you're going to go straight up. But I think what it means is that any breaks going forward the next several months in, in, in wheat, in corn, in Minneapolis, uh, spring wheat are going to be well supported. And, uh, you know, you don't need much of an additional bullish story to probably get the funds, you know, wanting to, uh, you know, get. Uh, build a pretty decent long position. I did a little study yesterday uh, in in Minneapolis wheat. I'm, you know, admittedly not a a specialist in Minneapolis wheat. It's a little bit of a uh, not a specialty crop, but it's certainly not a lot of acreage. And I looked at a long term chart. You look at wheat. You know, you're over nine dollars. You're like, ah, oh, is this thing getting a little bit extended? And uh, there's plenty of evidence that um, if this crop is as short as what it, it looks like it might be in the Northern Plains. And uh, in Canada, that you could maybe extend this up into the ten, eleven dollar range. Of course, if you go back like 15, 20 years, we remember uh, we we literally almost ran out of spring wheat. We spent some time north of twenty dollars. I'm not going to be on record predicting that, but you could certainly tack another dollar or two on this Minneapolis wheat without much of a problem and get that up into the ten, eleven dollar ranges. You know, the problem with that is. Uh, it's a protein issue, right? And, and right. Minneapolis wheat's the the highest protein content out there, and that gets everyone scrambling for protein. So it, it just sets off kind of a chain of events that leads to strong demand, and you know we're probably uh, again have more more upside potential than than downside. And I think any breaks over the coming weeks and months probably pretty well supported uh, in not only wheat but corn as well even if we end up and luck out of this and have a close to a trend line corn yield i don't know that the bottom has to fall out because we're probably just starting in now when you flip the calendar to august to some better exports i mean normally that's when export the world export uh, market kind of comes to the united states and i don't know why this year is going to be any different there's we're going to be one of the only places to get corn or beans and you know wheat demand has picked up a little bit and so that's uh, a, a good environment for higher prices is increasing demand and shrinking stocks uh, you know that's kind of econ 101 right all right so let's talk about brazil for just a little bit here and they had another frost event come through this week um 
I don't know if this how many this is now three or four or whatever this is that they've had happen but it's uh really the, the market has has really just kind of ignored that fact as the as many frost events as you see have you seen down there so I guess talk about what you see happening there and then what's that overall effect because I mean there's nothing in the news nothing short of the, in the news that says anything other than well you know one more time the Brazilian corn crop is going to be you know less than what we thought it was going to be so I guess talk about that a little bit yeah that that goes into this whole uh, world feed grain stocks as well and uh, that's kind of a dynamic issue you know they had four if not five frosts on that crop um they've just thrown everything you know huge drought <clears throat> if you remember they started that process i don't know where they were at 120 125 million ton crop potential that would have meant they would have exported on the world market a, a, a big chunk you know 30 million tons uh, not a small amount now you have a, a you know, the last time I've seen any private estimates, they're in the 85, uh, you know, million metric ton range yeah. and shrinking. <clears throat> and, and you, you know, we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, you know, you got ADMs, Cargills of the world washing out of contracts because they're not going to have enough supply to get to fulfill the, the export commitments that they had. And so all that speaks to is, you know, normally when the United States starts taking over on demand here in August, September, all the way through harvest and winter, that Brazil's not going to be there to have any cushion for exportable supplies. They might have a little bit, but uh, they're going to end up using a lot of that crop domestically. And that just means we have uh, a more competitive situation to export more. So, um, and it remains to be seen what that crop size is. I mean, it's possible it could end up in the you know closer to 80 than 85 million and it's a it's a big deal and um in in a time where the world demand is so strong and china's been such a strong buyer it it could lead to a real explosive moves here um down the road and, and obviously that's going to be <clears throat> dependent upon what our crop size is right here on corn and beans and and uh you know what's the ultimate spring wheat crop uh, is but it's it's been a long time that we've talked about this because there's been such a big supply particularly of wheat in the world and now it's you know over the last two or three years we've slowly started to draw these stocks down and and that leads to you know obviously some upside price risk as you go and you know all the outside markets are always part of that the dollars kind of been fluctuating here and stock markets shown a little bit of volatility but at the heart of it we're in a in a shrinking corn and feed grain stock situation across the world with stable to rising demand and <clears throat> that's uh you know it's got the makings for for higher prices great for producers not very good for end users and uh you know until south america now they are waiting in the wings here if they can get a little bit of rain and get healed up from this drought they're going to plant a ton of acres this winter or this fall uh, you know, because their currency is still favorable for them. So until February, March, April, where they have new crop supplies of their their fall planted, um, or I should say their spring planted, our fall and winter planted crops down there, uh, the United States is in the driver's seat as far as, uh, you know, being able to kind of be the exporter to the world right now. 
Yep. All right. Let's jump down and talk about what's going on in the cattle complex. Uh, looks like box beef prices have uh, you know, risen again. That overall um, cold storage report came out, and, and they're they're drawing down those stocks for what we've seen in the past. Also, there's a there's a fair amount of of cattle getting liquidated right now, especially in the, in the northern plains. When you look at what's going on in North and South Dakota, Montana, you know, all, all through that area where the drought's so strong. What's your expectations for the beef market over the next uh, five or six days here as you look at the marketplace? Yeah, we, we really have struggled. It's like a bad, broken record here as far as cash cattle. I mean, we, we really have been stuck in this 119 to 121 range on cash cattle for months now. And I think part of the problem is, um, you mentioned, there's been, um, I don't know if it's record, but it's way, it's one of the highest ever uh, of the last three or four months here uh, uh cow slaughter numbers in history so that puts more beef on the market i think that's been something that's held us back a little bit and and probably caused some of the box beef um weakness that we've seen should be coming kind of to the end of that um now longer term because of the drought and and the displacement of cows and you know uh, higher way higher than average cow slaughter that should mean on the back end of this very good things out, you know, six months to a year plus, right? It's going to tighten everything up. We're going to see likely higher cattle prices. Um, we're going to see likely higher feeder cattle prices with way smaller cow numbers. But the problem is getting, you know, from here to there. And mm -hmm. it's not like it's a disaster right now, but the box beef and uh, I should say the cash cattle market has been a little bit disappointing it's just been stuck in the mud still large packer margins um, i don't think that lasts forever though we should be kind of coming uh, towards the bottom end of of uh, seeing these numbers shrink in fact there's a cattle on feed report this afternoon after the close it is expected to see these numbers start shrinking again <clears throat> you mentioned the cold storage report and 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 it's friendly I, you know i i glanced at it uh, these are kind of a, a volatile reports but uh, you're looking at uh, you know total beef stocks 398 million uh, pounds versus uh, 428 a year ago so we're drawing these down uh, 398 be the second lowest number we've had in the last five years pork stocks are way down as well uh, i'm not saying that that was wildly bullish but you know the demand's been pretty good even you know kind of coming out of covid and there's been some concern that maybe it's temporary and there are some places that are starting to maybe tighten things down a little bit again and bottom line is even with bigger production we're not building beef stocks that's a good a good thing i think that bodes well longer term but uh in the short run we're probably still kind of stuck in the mud here uh you know in this 120-ish range on on cash cattle unfortunately for the foreseeable future i say unfortunately i mean it could be a lot worse at least it's uh we're limping along but we certainly haven't seen the rally that a lot of producers had hoped for to get closer to 130 by this point in time and that's been a slow the slow grind on this cash market yeah all right so cash hogs have uh well the hog market anyways has has slipped a little bit uh again for yesterday and it's been slipping here kind of throughout the week so what interesting tidbit here so through thursday there there were twenty eight thousand more uh hogs slaughtered at, uh than the week before but that's sixteen thousand less than the this time last year and then you start going through everything you know all that's there but basically right now there's 3.9 percent less 
hog meat out there uh, than there was a year ago. So I guess talk about what's going on there. It looks like there's uh, less supply than what we've seen, but obviously there's uh, a move in demand someplace that, uh, away from hog, the hog price. Yeah, you know, I, again, I think there's some give and take there. Um, you know, still at very lofty levels here, you know, right. when uh, you're talking about August hogs at 107 and, you know, the lean index is up around 111, 112. There has been some fluctuation in cash prices. Um, and, and, and normally, I mean, I think that's something we need to have on the radar screen. Normally, you've peaked out here by, uh, you know, about the second week in August on cash prices. And, and um, you know, I don't know why this year would be any different. Um, maybe one concerning thing is that China, uh, you know, it's like I always say, watch what they do, not what they say. They have backed off pretty dramatically on their uh, pork imports from the United States. And you know, they've been saying for a while that they've been rebuilding their hog herd. They got, have it, you know, to kind of pre-ASF uh, uh, levels. Whether they can keep it there, I'm not, I don't think they have ASF controlled necessarily. But uh, so the numbers do appear that they have increased uh, in China and they have backed off our, uh, you know, buying our, our, our pork for the time being. Doesn't mean they won't be back in at some point in time. Um so I, I think that maybe you could probably assume that the highs are in in the hog market. Uh, that doesn't mean that we're going to break dramatically. And the way the hog market's structured is always tough, right? Because you look at the, uh, you know, it's always a, a balancing act or a shell game between, all right, where's the, the cash prices and the lean index and and, uh, and and stuff like that. And, and you look at $107 August hogs and you look at the October's at uh, under 92 and the December's at 85 and you're like, okay, the market has a lot of that priced in. They know that usually by August cash market peaks and you go lower in the fall. Well, we, we've kind of priced that in in these deferreds. So I don't know that there has to be a ton of downside. I think the one thing that uh, people are going to want to see and it's just going to take time is um, normally when you have you know $110 hogs, you're going to see a lot of expansion. But, you know, that has come with some $7 plus old crop corn and, you know, five and a half, six dollar new crop corn. And so maybe these higher feed ingredients, uh, higher corn prices are going to curtail a little bit of the expansion that we'd normally see. But that's just going to take time to figure that out. Um, uh, maybe the one bright spot is because of the vegetable oil issues and soy oil has led the rally in beans. It's really given us some fairly attractive meal level. So that may be the, the one bright spot for margins for these hog guys is they've had a chance to, when you normally, when you see, you know, $15, $16 old crop beans, you're talking five, five fifty dollars uh, meal. Well, we've been in the 300s, uh, you know, 340 $350. I mean, that is something that is going to help, um, you know, keep the, the feed costs uh, a little bit in check for these these hog guys and maybe an opportunity that uh, to secure a little more margin than normally what you'd you'd think uh, meal would be when when beans have been you know sixteen dollars here recently. Yep. Yeah, a lot of moving parts here, man. There's a, a million things going on between exports and drought and everything else. So folks are working on that plan ship. What's the best way to get a hold of you and the folks there at uh, Blue Reef to help them through that that process? 
Yeah, very, very critical process uh, and, and getting more complex every day, a lot of moving parts to it. So it takes a lot of focus. But yeah, we're open to, to questions and, uh, and talking to, to anyone. We're pretty low pressure. Um, but uh, if you have any questions, you can reach out. Best way is to just call our office at 309 five five zero seven two one three and uh, we'd love to love to talk to you right on well chip thanks for being on the podcast man hey not a problem casey it's going to be interesting next week to see what this uh this weather does that's what it's all about for the grain side of things absolutely that did a lot to a lot to pay attention to there so i am casey seymour with moving iron podcast make sure you check me out on facebook twitter and instagram that's where you're going to find the latest editions of the moving iron podcast also go to movingironllc.com and you'll find all the latest editions there as well as and the entire library of the Moving Iron podcast. Also, uh, you'll find all the information that you'll need for the Moving Iron Summit coming up in Nashville, Tennessee. That's September 17th through the or September 15th through the 17th, and you'll be able to have uh, all the information there up in the navigation bar. Just click Moving Iron podcast. Uh, and then go over to the Moving Iron Summit, and you'll find that. And you'll be able to go through there and find all the information you need to register for the for the event, hotel information, speaker information, agendas, so on and so forth. If you need more information, send me an email at movingironpodcast at movingironpodcast.com, and I will get back to you with the uh, questions, answers to the questions that you have. So with that, I am Casey Seymour, Chip Nellinger. Let's go some iron, folks. Out. You want to have a meaningful competitive advantage to help sell more equipment. Whether you represent the sales, parts, or management department of an implement dealership, there's a surprising amount of complexity when it comes to tire, wheel, and track technology. Let Axon worry about that so you can get back to supporting your customers. Axon has leveraged years of experience to create a streamlined process that gives you a proven path to help today's grower and sell more equipment. The roots of their organization go back almost 100 years to the invention of the rubber tractor tire. Supporting agriculture is the number one driver of Axon from product development through sales and service. To find more or become an Axon dealer, head over to axontire.com. Moving iron in the 21st century. Hardworking people working hard for you and me. Moving iron time and time again. Through the years you'll find a seed